Hey, you know those little yellow pieces of what looks like corn that's in your poop once in a while? That's from Iowa. Two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Welcome back, Husker fans, to another episode of Generation Red. This one is episode 13. That's right, unlucky 13, because once again, the Huskers were haunted by their own mistakes, as opposed to Sooner Magic, this time around playing Oklahoma. The seven-point loss was more about shooting themselves in their foot than it was about Oklahoma playing extremely well. So... We'll get into the Oklahoma game here in a little bit. We'll also preview the next game with top 20 ranked Michigan State. We will uh, got a couple of fun facts for you as well as a uh, plus minus game update and then some plus minus offerings for the Michigan State game. So if you want to play the plus minus game, please remember to go to facebook.com slash genredpod to play. Anyway, let's start this bad boy out with reviewing some fun stuff that happened in the top 25 over the weekend, Scott. Hey, folks. So in the top 25 this week, uh, you know, honestly, just this year so far, there have just been some notable games just all around outside of the top 25 and within the top 25. It's looking to be a weird year. Um, just some crazy turnouts for games, weird, unexpe- uh, unexpected upsets, and just some all-around goofiness just across the entire NCAA. Uh, but this week, uh, I will actually have an honorable mentions because there were just some crazy games. Um, I only picked mm-hmm. two. There were plenty to choose from. Um, one of them that's, I guess it's not an honorable mention, but I'm going to mention it. Minnesota shutting out Colorado 30 to nothing in Colorado, I think that they they kept Colorado under like 20 yards or negative 20 yards. It was like their rushing yards were like negative 20 or something like that. So that's technically an honorable mention. But within my honorable mentions, I have Louisville beating UCF in a thrilling fashion, 42 to 35. That ending to the game was just insane to watch. Uh, UCF goes and gets a an interception right at the end of the fourth quarter in Louisville's territory. All they need to do is just push down the field about 10, 15 yards, and they can kick a game-winning field goal. But lo and behold, right after intercepting the ball from Louisville, they go and throw another interception, or they throw a return interception, and Louisville returns that interception back for a touchdown to win the game. 42 to 35. It was a crazy game to watch on Friday night. Um, and then in my other honorable mentions, Duke beating Northwestern 30 to 23. And Duke was leading Northwestern 30 to 7 going into halftime. And Northwestern kind of pulled a comeback, but they weren't able to finish it off. So Duke ends up beating them 30 to 23. 
And in the top 25, Coastal Carolina, number 16, Coastal Carolina beats Buffalo. The reason why I mentioned that, uh, Husker Nation, is because, well, we just played Buffalo last week. And Buffalo gave Coastal Carolina all sorts of hell. Um, they were, I think they were leading in the fourth quarter. I'll have to fact check that. Um, I could be wrong. But uh, Coastal Carolina rallies and survives an upset against Buffalo 28 to 25. Moving on, we got number 24, Miami, being upset by Michigan State, even though I don't really want to call it an upset. It was a pretty close uh, matchup between the two teams. Uh, the spread was very, uh, not the spread, but the over. Oh, yeah, the spread, the spread, the spread, over under, over under. The over-under was uh, was pretty close for uh, Miami and between Miami and Michigan State, and Michigan State ends up beating them 38-17, to putting them in the top 25 rankings going into week four against us. So that's kind of nice. I don't know with Michigan State whether or not they are as good as advertised considering they beat Nor- Northwestern, and Northwestern isn't looking too hot this year, a la losing to Duke. Um, having a less than great performance against Youngtown State, and then uh, yeah, beating beating uh Miami. So moving on, number one Alabama survives against number eleven Florida. That was also an exciting game. Uh, I won't go into it very much just because well, it's SEC. They just kind of they're just kind of great and. That's just how it ends up being um, kind of one. Of course, I'm cheering for Florida because anytime Alabama loses is a good day. Um, but yep, Alabama beats Florida 31 to 29. Uh, number nine, Ohio State looks sloppy against Tulsa, pulling away in the fourth quarter, 41 to 20. Um, yeah, they had to get two fourth quarter touchdowns right at the end to really pull away from Tulsa, but Tulsa was was hanging in there the whole time. So another poor defensive performance shown by Ohio State and a lackluster offense. Um, yeah, so moving on, we got number six, Clemson survives against Georgia Tech in a very low-scoring game. Clemson wins 14-8, to and Clemson offense just still looks like a big old dumpster fire. Defense looks great, but I don't know where their identity on their offense is going to be found, but thus far they look unimpressive. Um, Moving on to number 10, Penn State. They get a win over number 22, Auburn, in their whiteout game, winning 28-20. to And gosh, Dad, like if there's any game in the Big Ten that I would love to go to, or just honestly in all of college football, Actually, yes, in all of college football, if there was a game day atmosphere, I would just travel to go see. It would be a whiteout game for Penn State because it is just a crazy atmosphere. And it was just incredible to watch their performance against Auburn. They are definitely a team to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. Um, moving on, we got uh, number 22, BYU. Uh, they are number 23. Number 23, BYU, continues their success with a win over number 19, Arizona State, 27-17. to um, Like I said, I kind of have, well, I don't know I don't know if I mentioned this in uh, the podcast previous where I talked about BYU, but I kind of have a soft spot for them. And now they're going into the Big 12, so we'll kind of see how, how they can 
handle that moving forward. But yep, they beat Arizona State. And last on my list of notable top 25 games, number 13, UCLA, gets upset by Fresno State in thrilling fashion. And by thrilling fashion, I really do mean that. It was a uh, a close game down to the end. Uh, UCLA gets a score, putting them up 37-33, to 33, going into less than a minute in the fourth quarter. And Fresno State puts together a quick 50-something second drive um, to get a last-second touchdown. And I just want to send a huge shout-out to Jake Hayner, the quarterback for Fresno State. Homeboy was injured throughout the entire fourth quarter. If you watch the highlights to that game, Jake was, like, not doing good. He was freaking limping and grabbing his rib cage and... Um, getting down on all fours just to like rest. And he just kept waving off the coaches. I am going to stay in this game and I'm going to win this game for us. And he certainly did. So shout out to Jay Kaner for such a stout performance and such an incredible stamina and physicality that he showed um, trudging through an injury. Uh, So, yep, UCLA gets upset um, by Fresno State. 4237. That's just kind of my top 25 notable games. And yeah, any of those games kind of stand out to you, Dad? I'm kind of with you. I've always wanted to go to a uh, whiteout game at Penn State as well. Uh, the only thing that kind of sours me on doing so is the fact that they are the one Big Ten school that absolutely treats our fans like dog shit. I guess if you went incognito and you just wore something white, you'd probably be okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd but probably be a, my plan. <laughs> I, you know what? If I was going to go, if there was a college football sta- stadium that I'd like to just go see a football game at, it would be Death Valley in uh, um, LSU. Not, oh, not really? the Clemson yeah. Death Valley, but but the LSU. Because, crap, they've built onto that stadium so much. It's taller now, so I can only imagine how much louder it is in that place. Uh, but I'd love to go see a game at LSU. Yeah, what um, a... What an atmosphere would have that been during the Burrow year, their national championship oh, run dude. with Burrow. Like going <laughs> yeah. to any of those games would have just been an experience to say the least. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'd, I would have loved to have gone at that point. But I suppose now that we're done living vicariously through all the other people who figured out how to upset somebody this year, this week, <laughs> well, we didn't. <laughs> but we damn, well- we were close. Dude, it was so good. I, You know what? Just as kind of an intro to the game, I had literally prepared myself all week because, you know, we both predicted gigantic blowout score last yeah. week for our predictions. And I had prepared myself emotionally. I'm like, we're going to get blitzed. We're going to get hammered. I did All too. the podcasts I listened to, most of them kind of came up with similar scores we did. There were a few that were a little more positive. But as the week went on, I thought, this defense, maybe this defense is for real. And I guess we'll see on Saturday. Well, son of a gun, if it isn't true, this defense is for real. Um, You don't hold a team that has averaged 40-plus points a game for the last seven years to 23 points unless you're pretty damn good at what you do. Uh, So kudos to the defense. Sorry, black shirts, that the offense and the rest of the guys that couldn't figure out how to get out of their own way couldn't help you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude. 
like but, uh, 60, what is it? 68 games. We broke their 68 game streak of scoring 28 points or more. Um, right. Like outstanding performance by the defense. But yes, if our, if our offense was even somewhat more productive, you know, a la no penalties, or if we could have gotten an offensive line that was even B rated and then sure. God, dude. Special teams. I know that we'll get into it more, but dude, what a! Uh, I I know it had been said, it'd been said on multiple podcasts, and maybe we've even mentioned it. I don't know. I just flood myself with so many podcasts, I forget what they've said, what I've said, what I've thought, what they've thought. Dude, it gets all jumbled up in my head. But I remember listening to this last week a podcast, multiple podcasts, saying, "Yeah, we're gonna probably lose a game." on like solely because our special teams wasn't able to come out and play and boy were they were they right we we lost simply because our special teams missed you, two field goals could, and got yeah. a blocked extra point taken back for two points and that was the difference in the mm-hmm. game i completely agree you know um let's just kind of dive into the game a little bit starting with the first quarter i don't have a lot of notes because hell the first quarter was taken up by one drive by OU and one drive by Nebraska. And OU consumed almost half the first quarter with a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And one of the notes I got to thinking about was, after I watched the game again, was that Nebraska had several opportunities to get off the field on third down. A couple of them, or yep. at least one of them, was a really close, uh, I think either JoJo Doman or uh, Cam Taylor-Britt had a shot at an interception. Yeah. And it... And it he broke up the pass, but that gave them life. And God bless him. Spencer Rattler may not have gotten the same yardage that Martinez did. In many ways, Adrian outplayed him. But, man, that kid can extend a play. Yep. Holy crap. It looks like he's about to get in the grasp, and he just does just enough to get out of the way. And then he's always got his eyes downfield, and he's always finding somebody when it mattered. Uh, but Nebraska made them earn that drive. They didn't get down there in two minutes and just score seven points. It took them seven minutes to get on the board. And I thought, well, whew, this is going to be a long day. Well, <laughs> turns out they didn't score another touchdown until, what, midway through the third quarter? Yep. Um, and then NU goes on a drive that uh, four penalties on the offensive line on our first drive. You know, if you want to talk about being snake bit, uh, shooting yourself in the foot, I mean, there's so many terms you could use for that. It's just, to me, it's just, there's no accountability somewhere. There's accountability that's not being handled. Um, guys either need to be sat their ass on the bench for a series or two, if they do that kind of stuff or what, I don't know what the issue is, but to have two false starts before you even snap the ball the first time is just unacceptable. In my opinion, um, you know, a lot of people have said like, we listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I've got, probably 35 podcasts on my playlist and at least half of them are Husker. (laughs) So trying to remember all the things that everybody says is next to impossible. Uh, But a lot of them have said the same thing. You can't have penalties right out of the gate and shoot yourself in the foot. And that's exactly what we did. And, but we, and they also said that we don't have the team or the offense yet that can overcome that. Well, by God, they did for the most part until they stalled out. And then, (laughs) wow. Culp actually kicked a 51-yarder. Unfortunately, it was the only field goal he'd kick in the game. If he'd have kicked the other two and 
Kellen Meyer not had his extra point block like we talked like you talked about earlier. This is a twenty three to twenty one win instead of a twenty three to sixteen loss. Uh, so yeah, the first quarter ends uh, with me wondering: Is the defense going to be able to hold up? Are they going to just stand there on the sidelines and roll their eyes at the offense? And wonder if they've got to keep the whole team afloat. And I guess they decided to do it because, by God, they sure as hell did. Because that was it. Second quarter, there was no scoring at all. But there was plenty of stuff that happened. So why don't you pick up, pick it up in the second quarter? Yeah, yeah. First, uh, my thoughts. With the first quarter, I actually uh, I missed the whole first quarter. Um, I was sitting on the oh, couch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was sitting on my couch. The TV was going, but uh, my wife, she had a good friend of hers over uh, visiting from out of state. And her and my wife and I were pretty deep into a pretty good conversation. And honestly, I kind of wanted to cognitively dissonance myself from what I believe to be a terrible <laughs> Terrible first Money quarter. It's kicking. <laughs> and uh, and I was very surprised to see when I looked up at the TV. Well, I kept seeing uh, the color yellow pop up on my TV. That was something mm-hmm. I, I definitely noted. Uh, but by the end of the first quarter, I was actually, yes, I was surprised to see that it was only a 7-3 to three game. Um, mm-hmm. So then I only kind of picked up just in the about a few minutes into the second quarter. And yeah. We start off the second quarter with a three and out after Martinez gets sacked on second down by Nick Benito. And I remember watching that, just watching us go three and out, just kind of out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, well, here we go. OU's going to go all the way down on us and score again and make it a 14 to three game. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually when I started to pay attention to the game finally, because she had to go on her way and I was actually able to sit down and uh, embrace the fact that I was an anxious wreck and <laughs> OU, OU then proceeds to go on a seven play 40 yard drive that resulted in a missed field goal. Um, on that drive their their run game looked really good. Um, we managed to stop them on third and six with a rattler incomplete pass. And of course they miss a field goal and that gave us pretty decent field position. But what I remember watching on that play was just, they were getting five, six yard chunks every single time they ran the ball. And right. by some strike of luck, they managed to start doing some, I think that what they were trying to do was set up a pass for Rattler and it just didn't work out. So we kind of got lucky there, but our defense, I don't want to say lucky, our defense showed up when they needed to. Um, mm-hmm. So they gave us a decent field position. And then we went on a seven play 31 yard drive that resulted in a missed 50 yard field goal by Culp. And I mean, it's like you make a 51 and you miss a 50 yard field goal. That is kind of acceptable in the realm of, of, uh, of kickers. Cause once you start to get past 48, 49 yards, it's kind of a coin flip for most, most place kickers. Um, so it is what it is. Um, but then OU takes possession with seven minutes remaining in the half in the half, and they go on a two and a half minute drive that results in a punt. So we have another chance to score before halftime. Um, on our next drive, we end up running Gabe Irvin four times in a row with a decent 13 yard, uh, chunk mixed in there. It's like, nice. Um, 
But as we're heading down the field, Martinez gets sacked for a loss of nine yards. Johnson gets, Ramir Johnson gets uh, all of that nine yards back with a nine-yard run, but that becomes fourth and ten, and we have to punt. And then OU ends up uh, finishing off the half by gaining 40 yards in five plays. They seemed like they were driving down the field quite substantially, but we we stuffed them. They didn't have enough time to finish anything off, and we go to mm-hmm. halftime. It is now seven to three going into halftime, and I'm actually scratching my head a little bit. I was like, okay, we are supposed to get blown out here. What the f is happening right now? Um, <laughs> How dare you give me hope? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was having like a full anxiety attack because I'm like, what is happening right now? It, are my eyes tricking me because my Husker intuition is telling me that we are losing this game, but the score and the actual results on the field are are actually showing me that we're in the game. And I was just like, what do I even do to process this information? Because we're not supposed to win this game. And I don't want to even think that we're going to win this game because Nebraska always finds a way to rip my heart out of my chest, shove it into my butt, rip my butt out, and then shove it up my ass. Um, so... <laughs> Thanks for all the bleeps. Appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, But that's just how it feels to be a Husker fan. So going into halftime with OU Mm -hmm. with an incredibly low scoring game was just not anything that I would have imagined. You play the game a hundred times and I would have not imagined that out of a hundred results that that's how we would have went into halftime. So that gave me some hope, unfortunately. Man. God bless. This was great that we won the toss. Scott Frost elected to go on defense first in the first quarter uh, so that we could take the first drive of the third quarter. And, um, man, we went on a nice drive. But I think that's when Jurgens got that second unnecessary roughness penalty when he did the old blindside Michael Orr drive block all the way down the <laughs> sideline for like 35, 40 yards. And uh, the ref followed him all the way down there. Uh, according to uh, listening to both Cam and JoJo on JoJo Doman's podcast this morning, uh, JoJo was running down the sideline too, watching the ref. Cause the ref literally followed Cam and that kid that he was <laughs> he had put on skates <laughs> all the way down the sideline with his hand on his flag, waiting for Cam to give him that little extra push, and he did. And credit the OU player, he was really good at acting too. Made it look like he was shoved a whole lot harder than he was. Cam really just kind of did this: get off me you know, kind of deal. And the guy jumped backwards and landed on his back. If you watch it in slow motion, he definitely acted, but, um, through the flag, of course. And then of course, uh, <sighs> cult misses a 35 yard field goal. After that penalty, we couldn't get any further, basically got close to the red zone or just inside the red zone. And then we miss a 35 yard field goal. Um, great Gabe Irvin, I think on the next drive goes down with the knee injury. And that did not look good. I don't know if you looked back at it a couple of times, but it did not look good. No, it he didn't. literally waited until his elbow hit the ground before he dropped the football. It was close to being a fumble, but that had to have been so painful if he dropped the ball as quickly as he did. So that sucks. I hope he's okay. I hope he comes out of it quickly, but I have a feeling we're probably not going to see him again until we get to a bowl game if we do. <laughs> yeah, he came off the field in a full a full leg setup with crutches. Yep. yep. So it's it was not, not looking good. Hopefully not pretty. So, and then yeah. 
Martinez then eventually rushes for a TD after another nice drive, which was awesome. And uh, because of the way, from what I understand, it was the, apparently Culp reacted in some sort of weird way or whatever to missing his 35-yard field goal. So uh, Frost did not send him out for the extra point. So that was Kellen Meyer that came out for the extra point, and our offensive linemen suddenly discovered that they didn't know how to block an extra point because the only reason it got blocked was because like two OU linemen busted right through and it gets blocked and gets a two point conversion when the guy returns it for a hundred yards, which after I heard that sitting, listening to the game, it's third quarter. Uh, I heard that and I went, well, here we go. You know, OU has scored and then they scored again on a two point conversion. There goes all the momentum in the world that we could have possibly had, it seemed like we just killed our own momentum with our own mistakes. So I was like, well, here's where the floodgates open. Going into the fourth quarter, I thought those gates would certainly open, but they didn't. Um, how about you on the third quarter? What were your thoughts on some of those plays? Or were there others that I missed that you wanted to highlight? No, not particularly, other than, yeah, just... OU driving down and scoring on us. Um, shoot, was that right after our missed field goal? I, I think so. Um, yeah, they just they go down and they score on us. So it's fourteen to three, and I'm just like, well, let's see if our our defense can actually hold on to this, and. Yeah, yeah, it looks like with three minutes left, three-ish minutes left in the third quarter, they go down and they score on us, and I'm sitting there wondering what in the world are we going to do here, and then we go run down on them in three minutes or so, just like right before the end of the third quarter, we go down and we, we score on them, and I'm like, okay, we answer back. That's that's good, and then, yep, they block the point after and dude i just my i laughed actually that's what i did i laughed i was like and and like the most hysterical laugh i was just like oh my gosh this is the most nebraska thing to happen right now um yeah our offensive line just let them go right through and then kellen kicked a pretty low kick it was it was pretty low um yeah so it was like, unless our offensive line just did what they were supposed to do and you just get lucky and it goes right in between hands, there would have been hands high enough to, to knock that ball down anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just completely demoralizing. Um, but I was, I was like, well, let's see what happens. Cause they just get the ball right back. Oh, he's going to get the ball right back. What's going to happen here? And yeah, right. I, I, I I I was really trying to not invest myself in the idea of winning the game throughout the entire third quarter. I was just waiting for something to go wrong. Um <laughs> and then yeah, having right at the end of the third quarter having a PAT um conversion for OU was just like, yep, there it is. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't really have other thoughts about the third quarter other than that, really. But um, I suppose I'll just move into the into the fourth quarter. Yeah, go so ahead. we start off the fourth quarter with OU's possession after the blocked extra point, and they 
go on a 12 yard 60 or sorry they go on a 12 play <laughs> <laughs> they go on a 12 play 65 yard drive for a touchdown making it 23 to 9 and honestly at that point i was that was the moment prior to the end of the third quarter where i was like block extra point let's see if our defense shows up they didn't they did they didn't i'm pretty sure in that drive alone they converted two third and longs i'm i'm not 100 percent sure on that but i remember we had them on third down twice maybe even three times and they converted all of them and went down and they scored on us and my thought was yep things are about to this is when like hits the fan um but yeah, it it really didn't, but it still did technically. Um right. our next our next possession is what led to the incredible interception by DJ Graham. Like it's like watching the Matrix, dude. Dude, yeah, it was like an Odell Beckham Jr. catch, but on the defense. And yeah, we ended up driving 63 yards on that possession. Um and yeah, we started that drive off with a 55-yard motivating catch by Xavier Betts. And then on top of that, there was a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by OU, which put us on their 17-yard line. And I'm like, oh my God, like we <laughs> we can just score right back and we're right back in the game. Like yep. we just need to have a red zone presence. But then that led to Martinez losing a yard on like a little run play, um, throwing an incomplete pass to Austin Allen, and then getting mm-hmm. sacked for a loss of six. And ta-da, it's fourth down. And you guys know the rest. So much for that drive. Um, only to have it fizzle out as quickly as it started. And then Is that I'm when like, that guy made the interception was on a fourth down pass? Is that what that was? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it was actually did. we did was, go for it. Okay. Yes. It was actually a net it I was actually remember. not a great idea for him to make that interception, but he did. Yeah. And uh yeah, that actually turned out to be in our favor just ever so slightly because they were backed into their own territory and we got a three and out. And we immediately got the ball back with a little over six minutes left in the game, down by two scores. Um, we then go on a three play, 36 yard touchdown, um, or three, yeah, three play, 36 yards for a touchdown with a 21 yard touchdown catch by Omar Manning, which was incredible. Uh, it was right where it needed to go. And Omar showed his physicality on that play. And the score is now 23 to 16 OU leading. And at that point, I'm feeling like we could find a way to tie this game. We have like six minutes left, or actually, I don't know how many how much time was left. Uh, probably like five minutes. No, it's like six, something like that. There was a there was enough time if our defense could show up, but OU went on a four minute and forty one second drive that led to a punt, but they ate off a bunch of clock because that only gave us fifty six seconds left in the game and no timeouts to try and go 83 yards and to finish off the game, Martinez gets sacked. And after an eight yard catch by Allen, Martinez gets sacked again. And the last play of the game was a 14 yard catch by Ramir Johnson. And that was that 
our O-line, our O-line, man. Our O-line had one last stand. Like if yep. there was anything that they could pull out of their bread basket, any bit of gas that they had less left in the tank, they either didn't have it or couldn't find it because that O-line performance on that last 56 seconds was atrocious. Um, yeah, they failed. They failed miserably, and that was the game. Yeah, and give OU credit. Uh, in, the, in that last minute of the game, when we got the ball back, they did not do what you typically do in a situation like that, which is play prevent defense. They didn't back anybody off necessarily. They didn't do any of that stuff. They came after the. They knew they had our offensive line's number, yep. so they just they just did what they had been doing earlier in the game to get sacks, and and it worked. So, give them credit. Give that another year though with this offensive line getting another year's worth of experience, and they come up to Lincoln next year, and uh, that game could be very similar to that 2009 game when Sue just went crazy on OU. Uh, back oh, in 2009, dude. so that game will be fun. I'm I am really, really looking forward to the OU game next year. As my, and I am quite frankly looking forward to the rest of our schedule uh, this year, simply because of the way the defense played, um, and the way Martinez is playing. He's he's responsible for two turnovers for the whole season so far, and I think at this point last year, well, he was benched because <laughs> yes. of turnovers. So. Um, so yeah. yeah, final score twenty three sixteen OU. Nobody in the country expected that, least of all us. <laughs> and the final stats for um, Nebraska was three hundred eighty four total yards. Little ho hum, but um, hey, that was a pretty damn good defense. That was about as athletic a defense as Nebraska is going to see this season, uh, including Oklahoma or Ohio State. I think that might have been a better, more athletic defense than even Ohio State. Uh, so that gives us some hope. There was 36 rushes for 95 yards, a two and a half yard average. That is not going to win you a whole lot of games in the Big Ten. Um, 289 yards passing, uh, basically 11.6 yards average per attempt, which, by the way, I believe Adrian Martinez is leading the nation in yards per attempt for passes as Ooh. a quarterback. And he is also the only active FBS quarterback to have passed and for 6,000 yards and rushed for over 2,000 yards. So um, that's pretty impressive considering the record. Uh, wow. How, how do you have those kind of stats and not have a better record? Well, you've had shitty special teams and a leaky O-line since he's been here, basically. So that's how. Um, 18 first downs is what we generated. One turnover, which is pretty impressive against that defense. Unfortunately, there was also eight penalties for 70 yards. The offensive leaders for, for uh, Nebraska were Martinez, 19 of 25 for 289 yards. I think that's right around a 65 to 70% completion clip, which is what he's been at all year. That's impressive. Uh, 11 carries for Johnson for 42 yards, and then Betts had three receptions for 61 yards. Uh, and I think you've got the OU stats. Yes, so OU's total yardage was 408 yards compared to Nebraska's 384. They had 35 rushing attempts for 194 yards with a 5.5-yard average. Their passing for, well, Spencer Rattler was uh, 24 for 34 for 214 yards with a 6.3-yard mm -hmm. average. 
they had 20, uh, 21 first downs and no turnovers, which, gosh, that would have been a huge difference in the game if we would have been able to uh, pick off a those. couple of those plays that were us as we were close to. Yep. 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 There was three or four opportunities for it altogether, and it just didn't work in our favor. But yeah, zero turnovers for OU. They had seven penalties compared to our eight, but they also had 70 yards of penalty uh, against them. So pretty even there. And for their stats leaders, um, they had, yep, Spencer Rattler. I mean, I just kind of named off those stats. Uh, 24 for 34, 214 yards with one touchdown. Um, I actually split up their running backs because they had a pretty even performance. 15 carries for Eric Gray for 84 yards with a 5.6-yard average. And then their other running back, Kennedy Brooks took 14 carries, so one less carry than Eric Gray, for 75 yards with a 5.4 average, so pretty much just copy-paste them. They they both had pretty much the same exact performance. And then altogether, their wide receiving group was, I mean, it was led by uh, Hazelwood. It was led by Hazelwood, but we pretty much shut down their wide receiving core altogether with... Uh, Hazelwood having uh, six receptions. I didn't write it down. He had six receptions. I know that. He had six receptions with the only second, the guy second up to him had two receptions and down the list, only two receptions for uh, the majority. I think one other guy got three receptions, but it didn't account for very many yards. But yeah, Hazelwood kind of leading their wide receiving core um, and uh, Marvin Mims had two receptions for a few chunk gains. Um, yeah, altogether, we kind of shut them shut them down offensively better than I would have ever, ever imagined, keeping them just over 400 yards. I was expecting something more in the 500s, 550. And so that was impressive. Uh, I mean... Their rushing yards kind of is what killed us if we would have been able to stop them on our defensive line, which is where I wasn't as impressed. But I think OU had a formidable offensive line that was doing their job and they were just finding holes and making making stuff happen. So yep. um, that's kind of OU's stat line to finish off the game there, I guess. As far as my uh, final thoughts on the game... Um, you know what, all the Martinez haters out there, and that especially includes all the dudes that wear Nebraska gear and think they know so much, uh, they can pretty much eat a big hairy dick. He outplayed the Heisman, supposed Heisman trophy favorite in Spencer Rattler. Everybody's already anointed him as the guy that's going to win the thing. We made him look pedestrian. And while... <laughs> poor Martinez was running for his life and still made a lot of plays. Um, yep. If we make the two field goals that were missed, which we said earlier in the show, uh, and if we don't get an extra point blocked, NU wins this game 23-21. to 21. We gave the number three team in the country all that they wanted, and they should give this t- that should give this team confidence going into the rest of the games. I still think a 6-6 six and six or even a 7-5 and five record is doable. If they stop beating themselves with penalties and poor special teams. Now, I'm not even going to try to throw 
offensive line improvement into that if category because I just don't see that happening. I just don't. Uh, with the blocking scheme that they run that either Frost wants to run or or um, Austin wants to run, defenses have it figured out. They know how to deal with it. And this team is so young. This offensive line is so young. They'll get better as the year goes on. But, man, we've got to stop beating ourselves with penalties, and we've got to improve our special teams. And, and that defense is going to have us in every single game for the rest of the year. That includes Ohio State and Michigan. I think our defense will keep us in those games, uh, especially since both of them are at home. So 6-6 six and six is doable for sure. And who knows? We might surprise one team somewhere along the way and actually come out of here with a 7-5 and five record. I'm always the optimist. But when it comes to the offensive line, don't know. Till that really gets shored up, we could be in, well, for a five and seven. But I think it'll be better once we get to teams like uh, Purdue, um, teams we should beat. So um, that's kind of my final thoughts on OU. And as we go forward, how about you? Yeah, my final thoughts would be... Even though I did feel like they were ripping us apart, we did show our ability to be a good defense. We bend, we bended, we got bended, but we didn't break it. Um, and chunks, chunk plays aside, we found ways to stop them consistently, and we didn't give up as many explosive plays as I assumed we would. Um, our defense never folded. Under the pressure, like I said, they bend, they didn't break, and our offense continued to show promise. But my overall take is, I mean, you said uh, that we are probably not going to see much of an improvement on our offensive line, but I, if there's something I could be optimistic about this season is that through this fire and through this uh, these trials and errors that our offensive line are having, they could improve. I think they could improve a little bit, just a little bit. And a little bit would go a long way for our team right now. Our offensive line needs some serious come to Jesus because they just get pushed around way too damn easily and way too often. But I do think that that can galvanize them to a certain degree. By the last four games of the season, they might be improved just because they're getting pushed around so much. Um, they might just get sick and tired of it. And honestly, it strengthens and hardens their bodies to a degree that is uh, useful and is productive. So, um, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it from that standpoint. That's a good point. And yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's the only thought. But once again, that's just like my, my overly optimistic intuitive thought of like how could this get better you know like what is the only way that this could get better and that's the only thing i can come up with i don't know if we'll actually see it though um we'll that's see. what i'm hoping for keeping my fingers crossed um but yeah but dude i swear like martinez has yet to see an offensive line consistently protect him since he's been here imagine uh, right. Last year aside, last year he did look bad. The competition between him and McCaffrey just kind of got in his head. And then his sophomore year just wasn't any better. Um, but once again, his sophomore year, he didn't really have an offensive line. 
you no. were just giving him a bunch of praises, and I agree with those praises. Um, I before the season, well, I guess actually no, right after because before the season, I was high on Martinez. I was thinking this is the year that he shows up and plays like the Martinez that we remember when he was a freshman. But then the Illinois game happened, and I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And like you noted, he's only had two turnovers. One of those turnovers, I'll actually not even count. That fourth down interception he had, he was trying to make a play. I think any quarterback would have taken that shot. Like, we're going on fourth down. You have to put it in there. Just throw the dice, bro. Just throw the dice. That, I don't even, that was not a a mental. Yeah, that was was not a mental interception. That was not a mental mistake. Yep. The the fumble though, yeah. Other than that, other than that fumble, and yep. that was just a complete and total bonehead mistake. He has played great. Yes, he, he has. looks great. And yes, he has. After this game, because if there was a game where Martinez could really fuck things up, it was this game, and he didn't. Yep. And yep. like you said, I think that was a that's a point that I didn't think of till you mentioned it, man. That Spencer Rattler had protection he had an offensive line protecting him and he looked less good than martinez did when martinez was basically running for his life the whole game so that just is like i think martinez might be finding his groove but as soon as we say that next week he's gonna lay an absolute egg but (laughs) yeah that's usually the way things work but hopefully we're turning the corner on that this year um plus minus let's talk about the results for ou um you hit your plus minus was two fifty two hundred and fifty yards passing by Nebraska. Yeah. And you had taken the minus and I had taken the plus. Well, we got two hundred and eighty nine, so I got a point. Yes, you um, did. my plus minus was one sack plus minus one sack by the black shirts and they had zero. Um neither one of us got points because I think you took the over and I took the number. So um our current score is four points to two with me in the lead. And, uh, hey, you know what? That wraps up the OU game. It is time one, to turn the page. I do have one thing. Yeah. One thing. One one conclusion to my final thought. We, <laughs> we, I do not care if I have to sell, like, a testicle or <laughs> um, I have to do some nefarious deed for somebody behind closed doors in a bathroom. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I will get tickets, and I'm going to go to this OU game next year. We're going to oh, go. Oh, dude. We, ha- we have so awesome. to go. We have to go. That was your first That was your first game in Memorial Ever. Stadium, your experience. Yep. And was it 1995? Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. We got to go. We got to yep. go. That's that's what I look forward to next year. Um, that's If there's any game that I go to next year, it will be that one. I do not care. Um, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Sorry to cut you off there. I meant to nope, say that. You're at, fine. That'll at some be point. that'll be fun. That would be fun. So, uh, yeah. let's let's do it. Let's go into. Let's talk about the the next top twenty team that we're going to try not to shoot ourselves in the foot so that we can beat, and that would be the old Michigan State Spartans. All right, folks, so next week we get to play Michigan State 
in East Lansing. Uh, night game. Night games kick off at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. And they are 20th out of the top 25. They're ranked 20. And they are 3-0 and with a 1-0 and record in the Big Ten. And they look pretty good. They look pretty good. Like I said in my top 25 notable games that they have won their three games, but one was against Northwestern, and Northwestern isn't looking too great this year thus far. And then they had a less than impressive win against Youngstown State, uh, and then they beat Miami. And one of the things that has been said and what I have definitely noticed is that Miami continues to be overrated, as they have always been since post-early 2000s. And mm-hmm. so they might have a good rapport thus far, but I don't think that they've been fully tested. I really don't. Coming out of the gate playing Northwestern, Northwestern is always a tough game. <clears throat> but the way that that game resulted doesn't tell me that they were really tested in that game. And yep, like I the other two teams that they've beat, I don't I don't know. I don't know. If you look at our stat lines, which I'm going to go over them right now, we look pretty even. Uh, mm-hmm. Their passing yards per game is 256 per game compared to Nebraska's 280. So we got an up on them there. Their average rushing yards per game is 263 versus our 200. So they got us there. They do have us there. Um, their total offensive yards per game is 520 versus our 481. Pretty pretty even. They got us there, though. And their scoring offense is about 39 points per game versus our 29 points per game. So they got us there. I guess as I'm saying that out loud, not <laughs> pretty even. But uh, then again, I do think that we have played... No, now that I say that, I was going to say we, we've we played some tougher opponents, but not really. Uh, OU was definitely the toughest. Buffalo was definitely a tough opponent, but we played Fordham and Illinois. We just shot ourselves in the foot. So yep. out of those four games, we've had two challenging games, and their stat line looks significantly better, even though they have played one less game than we have. Um, that's true. But those, that is those, true. those are averages. So it is just averaged out, but yes. And then on the defensive side, our pass defense, or sorry, let's start with theirs. Their pass defense is 269 yards per game versus our 280 yards allowed per game. So they got us a little bit on that. Actually, it's 190 pass defense is down. Oh, I, 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 a game. I went too far. I or I went. Yeah. I, I went. You I read the. Uh, I read our passing our passing yards per game. My bad, folks. So actually, yes, uh, I was going to say I felt like our pass defense was better when I was previewing the game. So that kind of threw me off there. So thanks for catching that, Dad. Um, so yes, don't want to confuse you, folks. Uh, yeah. So they're 269 yards pass defense per game versus our 190. We got them there. Uh, they have only allowed an average of 112 yards per game where we have allowed 150 yards per game. So they got us there. 
Um, their total defense per game allowed per game is 381 yards per game uh, versus our allowed 346 yards per game. So we got them there. Um, their scoring defense, they allow about 17 points per game and we allow 15 yards per game. So pretty even there as well. Um, so altogether, Michigan State does teeter on the more impressive. Like if you just averaged all of that out, they definitely win those stat lines uh, more often than we do. But altogether, if you're just really looking at it versus their opponents that they've played and our opponents that we've played, it's still a pretty even game. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. We go into East Lansing. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be an atmosphere. Could be a little bit more chilly. You know, we go back-to-back games where the temperature on the field is plus 100 degrees. And And now we're going to be a little chippy. Yeah, now we're going to be really cold. I think they're looking forward to it. I think they're looking forward to that. That'll feel good. So That'll feel good. um, And, yeah, it'll feel real nice to maybe shut up their crowd. If you had any keys to victory, what do you think Nebraska needs to do to win the game against Michigan State? So it looks like the way that you and I have our keys to victory set up is that we'll kind of stick to four. Keep it keep it simple. At four keys to victory, my number one on my keys to victory, even though like we just discussed, there really isn't much room for immediate improvement is going to be our O-line. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to cross my fingers and think, you know, maybe maybe they just, like like I said, they have a come to Jesus moment and they find something deep inside their soul, a little fire, and they find even a slight improvement. A slight improvement is better than nothing. So my yep. number one key is to just see even a minimal improvement on our O-line. Number two, we got to minimize penalties. If we yep. could keep penalties under seven or six penalties and not have them be boneheaded you know false start here yeah we don't want that shooting ourselves in the foot offsides it's probably gonna happen um i i don't know i don't know but if we can keep our penalties minimized that's gonna make a huge difference in the game in my opinion um and then the number three we need to establish a good run game even if our O-line can't improve, Marquis step, shoot, dude, we got to get Yant in there. I really feel like we need to we need to find a way to put Yant in the game because he is just a truck. He's just a freaking tank. Um, mm-hmm. On those third and shorts, I mean, we haven't had very many third and short. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had very many uh, third and short scenarios uh, thus far in the season, but. If we are in a third and two or third and one situation, God, why don't we just go out in the I formation, have Yant in as the fullback, have Marquis step in as the running back, and do some sort of, you know, you don't know who he's handing it off to under center. Like, do it. Make make something happen. We got to find holes. We got to maybe wheel outside. We seem to have seen a little bit more uh uh, productivity running to the outside against Buffalo, especially when we were doing misdirection. If we can find a way to make misdirection our bread and butter so that we can get a run game established, we got to figure mm-hmm. out how to do it. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we haven't seen more of that. I guess it was just against Buffalo that we kind of experimented with that. And then we played OU and we couldn't really, I we mean. We ran quite a bit of an option on, on OU or on Buffalo too. We only tried one option play that I saw against OU. I really wished we would have tried more, but. Uh, yeah. Um, I think yeah. it was, I think, I, I think see Frost. More option. I think our offensive coordinator definitely recognized that there wasn't any any protection from our offensive line. So throw for so doing a an a, an option play probably quickly got thrown out of their playbook at that point. Um if you can't get any offensive line protection, I mean you really don't want to yeah. wheel your quarterback out to the side where he's already going to meet a defensive end. So I, I understand that, but geez, I kind of wanted to see it a few more times. I know what you mean. Um, but then my last, my last keys to victory, because Michigan state seems to have an explosive offense. They really do. They have an explosive offense thus far in the last three games. And it's coming from both their running backs and their wide receiving core. And I think where we, could find ourselves having an advantage over Michigan State is forcing them to run. We have to force them to run the ball. We can't let them find wide open receivers. And on number four, I have our defensive backs. Our defensive backs need to have a great game for pass protection and to get pressure on Peyton Thorne. Like if we can do that and force them to either run or force them to throw the ball where it's not supposed to be thrown and we get an interception or two, like mm-hmm. we need those momentum shifts. We need to keep them one dimensional and try and get some momentum in our direction via sure. turnover of some sort. Yeah. Um, but those are my, my four keys to victory offensive line, minimize penalties, establish a good run game and defensive backs need to have a great game. Yeah, I think we're pretty simpatico on the on the four keys. My first key is no stupid penalties. We have to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Period. We can't come out and have to play behind the damn sticks on offense. And defense needs to huh, just can't we can't get any God bless us, we haven't gotten any targeting penalties yet. We haven't had anything like that. So the guys in the defensive backfield have definitely stepped up their game as far as staying physical but not catching a targeting penalty. I've appreciated that. So no stupid penalties is number one. Number two would be make the field goals and extra points. Culp, please, just just make them. If you get in, in decent field position, you should make them. And I'm kind of with you. If you've got an opportunity to kick two 50-yarders in a game against a team like OU and you miss one of the two, I can excuse you for that. 35-yarder, not so much. Um, The O-line has definitely, as you said, better O-line play. Uh, The O-line has to help NU run the ball better. Yeah, I know Martinez was kind of running for his life against OU and against Buffalo uh, when he dropped back to throw, but he's athletic enough kind of get himself out of some of that trouble and still be able to make some plays. But when it really comes down to it, if you can't establish that line of scrimmage, if you can't shove the defensive line back a yard or two on every running play, you're not going to get anywhere in the Big Ten. Um, so I'm hoping to see some improvement there. Uh, their defense, uh, based on the stats, they are pretty good against the run so far. Um, 
they're better against the run than we are. So trying to establish that run is probably going to be a little difficult, uh, but it can be done. And I think we need to use some more eye formation, uh, especially get a fullback in there. DeAndre Thomas was pretty badass <laughs> as, a, as a fullback in the Buffalo game. Um, and then my final key is to protect Martinez. Um, not only do we need to run the ball better, and the O-line's basically responsible for that, but they also need to protect Martinez better. Um, I have not seen any of Michigan State's games. I have watched basically nothing but NU games this year, uh, so I don't know what kind of pass rush they've got. Um, judging by the fact that they're giving up, um, what, 270 yards a game almost on pass defense tells me their pass rush isn't doing much yet. Uh, but that was used, used to be what Michigan State always hung its hat on under uh, Mark D'Antonio. So those are my con- keys. No stupid penalties. Make the field goals and extra points, please, Connor. Uh, Neo line has to help you, and you run better, run the ball better, and protect Martinez better. Uh, yeah. Those are only like, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. We all know that, but that's... I can't no. think of anything obscure to that would be a key to a victory. Those are well, the obvious <laughs> glaring defects on this team. Speaking of uh, Captain Obvious, I don't know how I managed to miss this, but I would definitely remove the O-line improvement from my keys to victory. Just get rid of that altogether and replace that with, yeah, special teams. I don't know how I didn't push, put special teams on my keys to victory because we've obviously pressed that matter to its nth degree um but yes i if i could retract it yeah i'm just gonna say yes we've got to have special teams in this game and when we roll into our score predictions it will be very reflecting as to how i feel about special teams but first we can do our plus or minus for michigan state so for the plus or minus uh looks like uh my dad has a pretty good one. What is your plus or minus, Dad? Well, let's see here. My plus or minus is 23 is the point total allowed by the black shirts. So which way do you lean? I'll Actually, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, what do you Because kind of the way the game. Uh, my score prediction is is uh, includes 28 points for Michigan State. So I'm going to go the plus. I believe we'll probably give up more points than we gave up to OU. And there's one reason I say that. I think that defense is a little black and blue this week. I think they got beat up pretty good against a really physical OU team. Uh, I think they'll be ready to play Michigan State, and they're going to be every bit as physical, I believe, as OU was. So I'd say they might give up a few more points. Uh, So I think they'll be plus. What do you think? I'll just take the number. I'll just play it safe and take the number and say uh, that they definitely... Uh, score at least 23 points. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. That that works. That works fine. And your plus <laughs> minus is? My plus minus is three Adrian Martinez pass touchdowns. Um, mm. Yes. Even though I want them to establish the run game, uh, I just have this feeling that we're going to get a few explosive plays in there. I am going to say under though um i think he only gets two because i do think that will establish a run game and will score from a rushing touchdown well i i certainly can't in good conscience go with the over though you know 
this could be the game where Martinez goes off too. You know what I mean? After the confidence yeah. of doing what he did against the number three team, come into a stadium for the number 20 team in their stadium at night with a defense that's been giving up 270 yards a game against the people that they've played, which, as you noted, I guess the only one that was really worth the damn was maybe Miami. Um, so I don't know. I, I can't in good conscience take the over. So I'm going to go ahead and take the number on your plus minus. So Ooh. you've taken the number on mine, 23 points, and I'm taking the number on three past TDs because I don't think it'll be. I have a feeling he could go and, and drop three in there pretty easily, especially since it seems like, looks like we're going to see a lot more of Torre, Manning, and bets on the field at the same time. And that makes me just feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. So your score prediction then for the MSU game is what? So I do agree. I think that Martinez is going to come out of this game a winner, even if we lose. Um, I think Martinez will have another good game. I think that Martinez and company uh, come out of the gate with some fire underneath their asses and put on a great first half. Uh, but unfortunately, I do imagine that we fizzle out in the second half as Mel Tucker knows how to get in our heads. Um, and Michigan State makes it a close game up until the end. Special teams will lose us the game, though. That's my bold prediction. And I think that Culp misses. I know, I'm such a <laughs> such a terrible person. But Culp misses the game-tying field goal for overtime at the end against the ropes, and Michigan State wins 27-24. to Because, And the reason why I'm picking Michigan State to win, my heart's telling me that we win the game. My soul is telling me that we win the game. My intuition is telling me that we win the game. But facts and logic are telling me that until we actually show that we can win against a top 25 team, which we haven't done since 2015. We're not going to do it until until they show me they can do it. I'm not going to predict that we win a ranked a ranked team sure. this year. If we I beat Michigan State, that. then I will change my perspective for the rest of the season depending on how the rest of it goes. But I predict that Michigan State wins 27 to 24 going down to the end of the wire, unfortunately. <laughs> it's funny how how uh, we both figure uh, Connor Culp into the ultimate outcome of the game. Uh, but I have a very different viewpoint on what Connor's going to do. Uh, I believe Adrian has another good day. I think he throws a touchdown to each to Manning, Torre, and Betts. Um, and then Martinez breaks free on a 50-plus yard TD on a broken play. It's not going to be a called run or anything. He's going to drop back to pass, and Michigan State will lose contain, and he'll take off. Um, and then it'll be 28-28 at the end of the fourth quarter, and Culp finally gets his head right and actually kicks the game-winning field goal so we don't have to go to overtime because, God dog it, we suck in overtime games under Frost. Uh, and, yes, I agree with you. It seems Mel Tucker is in Nebraska's head. But we have to remember, Mel Tucker did not beat us twice at Colorado. Mel Tucker was not the coach the first year we played Colorado. I don't remember who their coach was, but it was not Mel Tucker. 
He was only at Colorado for one year before he got the job at Michigan State. So it's technically only in our head once. Didn't he do the flea flicker? Wasn't that the he game? He did the that... flea flicker. Yeah, yeah, that was the flea flicker, and Taylor Britt missed it. He just he got his eyes caught looking in the backfield, and he got beat. Um, so, yeah, and that kind of started the snowball where it was going. And then, um, yeah, it was what it was. Uh, but, yeah, that's I've got us winning the game 31-28. You've got us losing 27-24. So that pretty much wraps up our preview. For Michigan State, let's move on to just a couple of minutes worth of fun facts. All right, folks, welcome to the fun facts section of our podcast where we tell you fun facts about ourselves, which aren't really all that fun sometimes because we're kind of boring people to a certain degree. But they are facts. But they are facts. (laughs) Um, If you find them fun, then you're probably boring like we are. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, fun fact about myself is I finally started going back to the gym. Awesome. Um, yes. It's been on my mind, off my mind, on my mind, off my mind. Uh, I really do feel more mentally sharp and on my game when I'm going to the gym. It's good for my mental health. Like, really, that's probably the best the best outcome of going to the gym mental health wise just gives me something productive to do. And, uh, it's really good for my health, especially with old pandemic going on right now, (laughs) doing everything I can to make sure that my body is healthy and can withstand some sort of virus is, uh, honestly key, especially as we go into the flu season, because there are other viruses still floating around, ready to, ready to strike. So, um, exactly. And yeah, I mean, facts don't lie. 90, it's like 96% of all COVID cases that have been a result of hospitalization has been due to some abnormality to someone's health. So if you are yeah. a healthy young individual and you want to keep yourself safe from the vicissitudes of COVID, the best thing you can do is live a healthy lifestyle. Aside yep. from, I guess, how you feel about vaccinations or whatever the hell is going on with that. Sure. Um, so I'm just happy to be back in the gym. And my goal is to try and gain 20 pounds before Christmas. That's my goal. And it's a hell of a goal. It is. A it lot is of a hell protein of a goal. shakes, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I've been I've been up to a really high weight multiple times before and – as far as I can tell, every single time I go back to the gym, my body just kind of hits the resume button and it puts on weight pretty quick and I put on muscle mass pretty quick. So that's always nice. encouraging. Um, the biggest thing that I'm going to have to uh, focus on is that I always hit a winter slump. I always get stuck in the winterization. I get uh, seasonal depression um, I mean, I, I have depression to begin with, but then you add the seasonal depression onto it and it's just insult to injury. And so trying to stick with it during this uh, winter time is going to be a challenge. But if I do it, man, if I can actually stick through this entire winter and, and stay in the gym throughout the winter, that'll be the first time in my entire life that I've went through an entire winter season going to the gym because I always fall off. So um, that's my goal for myself. Yeah. Um, you can do it. Thanks dad. I, I hope I can. I know, I know I can. I know I can. I just, 
hope that I can uh, smack life in the face when, or smack life back in the face when it inevitably smacks me in the face. So that's just a fun fact about myself. Any of you gym junkies out there, if you are out there, um, I would greatly appreciate some words of encouragement. So tweet at me or tweet at us. Yeah. Yeah. Gen Red Pod on Twitter. Um, what about you? Yeah, it's not nearly as fun or interesting as going to the gym. Uh, let's see. I just delivered a load of plastic pipe up in McBride, Michigan. Now, most of us who are Husker fans know that Charlie McBride, our former defensive coordinator back in the glory days, now resides in Michigan. I doubt he resides in McBride, though, but I didn't bother to ask. Uh, but then on the way up to McBride, I passed kind of along the west side of East Lansing. And then on my way down here to Ohio, where I reloaded this afternoon or this evening, I drove right through East Lansing. Didn't get to see the stadium, uh, but the signs all said I was in East Lansing. So <laughs> that's my fun fact. I came right through the city where the Nebraska Cornhuskers will be playing uh, this coming Saturday. So that pretty much wraps up episode 13 of Generation Red. Oh, man, I wish the outcome of the game would have been different on Saturday, but I'm certainly happy that it wasn't the outcome I thought it was going to be. Oh, dude, because that was a win in and of itself. This week this week would have been miserable, not wanting to look forward to playing uh, Michigan State after getting your doors blown off by Oklahoma would just not be any fun. These guys have something to build on now. They have I'm something really to prove. I'm really looking forward. Well, they proved a lot on Saturday. The defense did. Now it's the offense's turn to prove something. And I'm hoping they do, and I think my score prediction reflects that I think they will. Um, so anyway, folks, we really, really appreciate all the downloads we've been getting lately. Uh, we're slowly growing. You guys are officially our audience, um, and gosh, we can't thank you enough. So you can, uh, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, you can subscribe to us on any platform that you listen to podcasts. You can also go to our website at genredpod.com. Dot com and you will find links to most of the really good podcasting apps that will allow you to subscribe to our show. Or you can just listen to it right there on the website. You can find us on social media, facebook.com slash genredpod. That's where you need to go to play the plus minus game with us. If you don't want to play, we don't mind. Uh, but it's it would be more fun if you did. <laughs> and then uh, we're also on Twitter, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, at genredpod on Twitter. Um, our YouTube channel is Generation Red Live. So do a search for that. Make sure you subscribe. Ring that bell so that you get all the notifications when we do start live streaming our live streaming our show starting in January of 2022. So any other requests, suggestions, or questions that you might have can be sent to genrpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, that's pretty much it. So until next time, I'm Ken. He's Scott. Together we are the Generation Red podcast and we're here to remind you that even though iowa is ranked fifth right now their corn still sucks and there's no place like nebraska go <laughs> big red beat michigan state yeah This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. Go Big Red.